David, you're sitting next to me across from Joel. Did you just go into Joel's room and type Joel and Jay, make sure your computers are muted? Yeah, so I could hear the ping. No, I was trying to cause the ping sound uh, to make sure to, scientific. to That's science. confirm that you did it. I don't trust your answer. Scientists. He's doing like little doing some scientification to try to say you're things. paranoid, but the next thing you had to write was, Joel, I told you to mute your computer. So I guess that was a good test. This is Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 59, recorded Tuesday, May 13th, 2014, at Stack Exchange headquarters in New York City, New York, where 8 million people enjoy the benefits of democracy and are awakened by the sounds of garbage trucks every morning. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Nutella, a delicious hazelnut spread that contains skim milk and a hint of cocoa. On the bus, on the go, or on the toilet. Oh, wait, that was last week. <laughs> on the show today, we have two guests from the community team. Israel Highness Lord Shoggington of Hire, Shog to the Ninth. Josh Heyer. Hey. Uh, Robert Cartano. Hello. Also from the community team. VP of community, Jay Hanlon. Hello. And VP of engineering, David Fullerton. Hi. And I'm your host, Joel Spolsky. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Joel. <sighs> We've got a busy schedule. We for do this, have a busy schedule. Show. So let's go. Let's do Jay's boring stuff first. Yeah, let's get through the boring stuff. I don't like how I was introduced. <laughs> Can we? Is Come there, on. That was the perfect <laughs> Come on, Jay. Okay, do the boring stuff. Now <laughs> on to David. David, on the development team. Cue the boring stuff. Ready? Sure. Go. We have some new features. I can talk about that. So a lot of people saw this, but we'll plug it again. We put out a prototype of the new user profile. It's not finished yet or even completely working. We but are there's... revamping the user profile. There's going to be a new one that yes. you see if you're not the user. So yeah. The, the external facing there's and the two, internal facing. Well, you can see either of them from either side, sure. but the idea is that one of them is sort of the public presentation of yourself. It's like, it's calling the about me page, which focuses on your top stuff, your top posts, your top tags, your top badges, and a big picture of you. And then there's going to be another page behind it, which is sort of your dashboard. We're not sure what it's going to be called, but the idea is right now the dashboard is just the old page. So anyway, we'll link it from the show notes. You can go check it out. There's already been a lot of feedback, but we're always happy to have more, except maybe the variety, which is don't change anything. It was perfect the way it was. We're a little skeptical of that. But specific feedback, we're still making changes. There's a couple sections we're going to go back and look at some more based on feedback already. So check that out. Okay. Other changes. That was yeah. just one. Oh, okay. That's just one of the many amazing things we've been working on. Since we're on the profile, Joe asked I walk through each section of that profile and describe all the words in it one at a time. Okay. So this is the part where Jay is going to read us his profile. I'm not. I'm not. No, we can go. Let's, let's go on. the infographic, Jay. <laughs> you can't see it, but it looks a little bit like... I want you to close your eyes. Imagine if you will. No, let's move on to the next feature. Okay, other features. Um, this is kind of a minor one, but you may have noticed on Stack Overflow, we are testing some new careers ads. They are varyingly orange and blue, and we're trying some other variations to see what happens. This is what it's like working for, a, for not a startup. It's been a lot of time just changing the color of the careers ads. But wait, this is but this has been astonishing. It's yeah. it's a little frightening actually. So we're waiting yeah. to see if the results hold up. But so far, we're seeing thirty percent more click throughs just by making those ads colored mm. and not like obnoxiously colored, just no, like just a, have... a nice orange and a nice blue. Yeah, they're each improving clicks to jobs by thirty percent. In honor of that, I'm switching to orange and blue shoes. Jo Joel has shoes in every color. Orange Joel sequence. literally just put his foot on the table and showed us that he's actually wearing blue Joel, shoes. Joel has, if I'm not mistaken, a dedicated sneaker closet in his home. Is that true? That is true. And there is a Joel shoe club as well. I've, I've heard. I've, I've met. Oh, that's right. I've it's a them. secret though. But just, I'm not invited. Just to be clear, essentially what we did, we took this sidebar ad that lists jobs that are kind of near the person who is on the page. And the only thing we changed is you took the basically gray outline and changed it and to made it a blue outline or an orange. Or an orange. And you got a 30% And we took increase. bets, to be clear, within the team, whether they thought blue or orange was going to be better, but it's inconclusive. They're both so much better than gray that it just doesn't matter. We're just going to do 50-50. So to be clear, we're not just testing the color. That was just the first. We said, okay, we want to test some new ads, figure out if we can make this more interesting. But let's just start with the dumbest thing we could imagine. Let's just change the color and see how that does, just to kind of get a baseline idea of what we're dealing with. And it turns out that that's probably one of the most, you This know, is what is it called, the Hawthorne effect? For Nathaniel Hawthorne, uh, inventor what it's of called? the post-it note. No, it's, it's a certain Wait, effect what? that when you change anything about anything. Well, that's what we're wondering, right? So we're expecting this to not hold up, but so yeah. far it's doing pretty well. I mean, it, it yeah, may not be 30% forever, but... Um, refers to a phenomenon whereby workers improve or modify an aspect of the behavior in response to the fact of change in their environment rather than the nature of the change itself. Yes. So this was a factory where they just, you know, they painted the walls 
blue or something, right. and then everybody started working harder, and then they went back to the previous color of the walls, and they worked even harder. <laughs> so it could be that they're just responding because it's more noticeable because it looks different than they're used to. Yeah. It could be that blue and orange are simply superior colors to gray, or it could be... Just the very change causes people the to The copy tweaks you've made where it used to say jobs near you, and now it says hot lesbian singles in your area are interested in you. Which ones? The answer may surprise you. I that's, think could have been... The... That's actually a targeted ad based on your browsing history. Oh, I don't see that one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's any of your business, but that's fine. I've well, already clicked on it, up. it and had a good day. Okay. Okay. I can't uh, tell that's... jokes about other religions, and you guys are allowed to tell those kinds of <laughs> I didn't tell the joke, just to be clear. Jay brought up... Just that you I'm think not that's even an inappropriate joke makes you an inappropriate joke, Joel. Okay, I'm not, I'm not good third at doing that. new feature. This one is a little bit um, inside baseball, but it's actually really important. So... As part of some of the problems we're going to discuss a little bit later, this is actually Josh. He can talk a little bit more about this. He's on the call. But we added what I'm calling insta-closing, close as dupe. If you have a gold badge and a tag, which is really hard to get, only the top users in a tag who've been posting forever and have a ton of upvotes and posts get a gold badge, they now can close as dupe, as duplicate with one vote. They can also reopen a duplicate with one vote. And the idea there basically is that, uh, obviously, if you've been around long enough in a tag to post a bunch of things in it and get a ton of upvotes, you kind of have seen everything and know what's a duplicate and what's not. And so we trust you even more. This is addressing the Lord of the Flies problem. Oh, we have a problem. with. There the was only name. one problem in the Lord of the Flies scenario in Golding's book. It <laughs> uh, Joel blogged about this uh, a couple years ago in, in a post called The Wikipedia of Longtail Programming Questions, which is basically once you see the same question repeated endlessly for days and weeks on end, you start to get real snippy with the people asking them. So we need a way to allow our top users, the folks who have seen these questions endless times, to quickly direct folks to the answers that have already been posted and refined over the years and our existing system where you need five voters to close a question as a duplicate wasn't really working there. It takes too long to shut a question down. It takes too long to direct the asker to the answer and get feedback on whether that answer actually solves his problem or not. So we're already seeing this take effect. We've been watching in particular the PHP community on Stack Overflow who have an extensive library of canonical answers to common questions in PHP. And they've been going through and doing some house cleaning, creating uh, New links to canonical questions from old and new questions. I think one thing that's important here is dupes are a place where, unlike other places, we wanted to make sure kind of one person who wasn't a moderator wasn't able to just close something because they thought it should be allowed. With dupes, fundamentally, when you mark something as a dupe, you're essentially helping the person get a better answer as opposed to saying, you know, this may be a valid question, but we don't want to answer it here. And the key, the only real mistake there, I think, is we're people can identify the dupes well. So we're kind of excited about empowering the people who are real experts in this topic and saying, the better list of answers is sort of over here. It's not one of those experiences where people Power are to the dupes. frustrated. Yeah. Power for the dupes. All right. That's all I have for new features. Oh, and the iOS app, Joel's favorite subject. The iOS app dun, 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 is dun. now released. Now shipping. Shipping in the app store. On my phone. On Joel's phone. I'm starting to get all kinds of, like, because I wrote answers a long time ago. I'm all of a sudden getting notifications. I really have to turn off the notifications. <laughs> but I'm getting notifications where somebody adds a comment to something that I wrote like six years ago. Yes. So for all of you lucky enough to still be using yeah. iOS. Well, I have less, to because of the iOS problem. Well, to be, to be clear, yes, the Android app has been out forever. And it's way more awesome. Now it's really basically the same. The iOS app is out. We'll put a link in. It's for iPhone only. We don't have iPad support yet, though you can install it on your iPad. It'll if just you go be in... to, um, if you want to see how good the iPhone app is, you can go to www.quantcast.com slash app slash Stack Exchange slash C one R capital F four K X G capital capital U lowercase Z. We'll I'm put only a link in the show notes. We'll provide a QR code for everyone in the, how, in the how amazing it is. There's a big boost in mobile activity from the iPhone app, but it's not quite where the Android app is. No, we didn't quite get the Actually, launch we wanted. I'm oh. not going to name any names. What do you but, mean we didn't get the launch um, we wanted? Look at that! Look at that spike on Friday from my yeah, Friday. Yeah, look after... at it. Look at it compared to Android. Well. <laughs> It's higher. No, it's not higher than the spike we got just from the Android launch. Oh, that's not my fault that you guys launched it badly. <laughs> uh, there will be opposing traffic charts on the blog post announcing this for you to compare on I just tweeted several days in advance. That's all. Right. <laughs> okay. You guys can still launch that. We haven't even launched. 
We haven't even gone to Brazil to officially launch the Portuguese Stack Overflow, and that's been open for months. All right. What does Jay want to talk about? Let's talk about the main thing, and then we'll come back to that if we have extra time. Okay. Joel's really excited to talk about this because he has an idea that... I don't have... Okay, so here's... I got solve notes. everything. So wait, let me, let me just mention the quick boring community milestones. That's two sentences, but we'll save the featured site of the two weeks for later if there is time. Yeah. No sites coming into public beta at this point. We're launching private wait, betas. Wait, are you telling that there was... There's nothing. His big no, no, announcement no. is that there's two, nothing. Two private betas are going live this week. One is data science. Data science is data for scientists? data science professionals, ML specialists, etc. This is, you know, this is this is going to be the artificial intelligence. This is a topic I think that is the third time we've launched this site. Yeah, but some of these, <laughs> what you get is things go from being a specialty side project for developers and others into increasingly an actual field and community, and we'll see if we've got enough traction yet. And the other one is... Uh, Sorry, we launched machine learning twice. That's true. That's true. And everyone still likes robots, but not that many people actually make So we've them. gone through artificial intelligence, machine learning... Twice. Sorry, artificial intelligence twice, machine learning twice, and now we're doing data science. Correct. But this one's going to work. If at first you don't succeed, rename it, move on. Sometimes, this time it is different. It will be different this time. Right. And our other new site is Puzzling which is a site both for hardcore enthusiasts and creators of various types of puzzles. We expect it will be predominantly wordy type puzzles, I would expect. To solve a Rubik's Cube. Crosswords, Sudoku, et cetera. But things like Rubik's Cube or the less popular Rubik's Magic, et cetera, are all on top. It's going to be just people asking for help with the Friday New York Times crossword puzzle. That's (laughs) mainly what we created it for. The truth is, I think the group here that is trying to solve the crossword every day at lunch has just created this site for their own entertainment. Do you think they're going to be bitching about certain clues where they're like, this is ridiculous. How many times are they going to use the National Airline of Israel? We don't have to wonder anymore. Yes. LL, LL, Hailai. Let's just find out. You get them all the time. Okay. That's at site milestones. Let's switch over to our big meaty topic of the day. Yeah. Here's what I want to ask about. Okay. So I did some statistical analysis here. I did a little bit of studying. Wait, give us the context. Can we, the context. Can we give us the context? I think the context is that the people, and you guys probably know more about this than I do. All right, then why don't we tell the context? I think that the context... Okay, <laughs> go ahead. I don't like how you contextualize the context you're going to give, so we're taking over the context definition. The context is that there's kind of a lot of bitching and moaning about the quality is going downhill and the world is getting worse. It's not really entirely true, but there is this sort of narrative that there's a problem. Yeah, so why don't we why don't we start with, with the message we're getting, and then we can talk about, I think, some of what could be the And it all has to issues. do with the narcissism of people. Do we want to talk about the posts on Meta? Yeah. So there have been a few, few major posts. So what, just a little bit of background. This has been simmering for a long time, but what brought it suddenly to the forefront is we split Meta Stack Overflow and Meta Stack Exchange, made a place for people oh, to talk about Meta Stack Overflow issues, and started promoting them on the homepage of Stack Overflow to registered users via the community bulletin, which brought a whole bunch of people who didn't normally participate in Meta suddenly are participating in Meta. Wait, which we is, never had community bulletin on Stack Overflow? We did not, unless it was featured, wow. which meant that things that no, people... No, you put, actually had to create an event. Even yeah. featured didn't show up there. Yeah, exactly. Okay, maybe wow. that's true. <laughs> so... Community bulletin wasn't on Stack Overflow, which meant that... Um, well, it wasn't promoting... It wasn't promoting... It wasn't meta, promoting meta, meta It was never there. So, That's which meant that when somebody effect. posted this thing and it got some... These things and they got some attention, suddenly a bunch of people who were on Stack Overflow who had been quietly... Simmering. Simmering presumably. now had an outlet and a place to talk about their feelings. So, this is a win, to be clear, because we're now getting this feedback that we weren't otherwise and... They're actually, you know, telling us what they feel. That's very nice of you. Next time, so, just go to your therapist. What they're saying. <laughs> so the big one is um, Meta Stack Overflow question 2517588. Why is Stack Overflow so negative of late? This has gotten a it's thousand. It's the of late that pisses me off. 1,200 upvotes. Um, Makes me want to be negative just because they're. 60,000 views, 1,200 upvotes, um, and a lot of responses. But it's basically what it sounds like. Stack Overflow seems really negative. So I said, I've been using Stack Overflow for a few years. Initially, oh, it used to be wonderful. Most questions got a positive people reception. So Happy nice. comments and answers. People tried to help you. Now... Yeah. You would get a little gift in the mail. Now it's mean and people close my stuff. Okay, yeah. this got a lot of answers from the people who like to close are stuff. perhaps being accused of being mean, who said a lot of different interesting things. So... I think it's worth mentioning, it's easy to start a debate about the key points and the solutions and the reasons. I think this question is a good question, which is to say what he's basically saying is Stack Overflow feels 
more negative for a bunch of reasons than it used to. Aha. And I think that's actually... That is because you only remember the good things from the past because of a little trick that your brain plays on you. There's ah, some of that. I think that helps also, you forget bad things that They're happened. making a lot of comparisons to other sites, to be clear. Most of them are not trying to compare to the past. They're trying to compare to these other sites that we have, even like Game Dev and Ubuntu and whatever else, and saying these smaller communities seem to have a much more community feel, where Stack Overflow... Seems like city. you walk in the room big and you city. get shouted at. Big city but remember problem. how Jeff was saying big city back in the days of Jeff, like back when Jeff Atwood was involved. He was like, there's a big city, different problems. Yes. This yeah. is, uh... So we recognize that. Okay. So I think it's really interesting. The owner of this post actually accepted an answer that is not the top voted from a new user replying, which I think is interesting to talk about. But we should sort imagine of, GeoTarget was the escrow that question. The sort of community accepted answer upvoted the most is this post that describes a pretty interesting theory that there's four categories of people. There's the, uh, what we, I guess, call help vampires who just are looking for help and ask a dumb question. There's the, uh, what we'll call rep addicts who just want to get rep and answer those questions. And then there's the caretakers who really want to keep the site clean. And they, the, the vampires and the rep addicts are happy Helping each, other. helping each other and the caretakers hate them for corrupting the site and lowering They're the overall quality and they want to close everything and clean it up for generally good reasons right they want to keep it clean they're tired of seeing the same questions over and over again they want to see interesting stuff they want the people who are asking good questions to not get overwhelmed by a bunch of fix my sql query questions so those are the three main groups then there's a fourth group which is the people who've given up basically and that's where a lot of people who responded say they find themselves in this fourth group. They've given up and they're angry and, and they, now they're they, they've given up on cleaning up the site. There's nothing they can do. It's all going downhill. There is a certain amount of frustration, I think, with the so-called undeserving questions. There's an awful lot of disagreement on what it means for a question to be undeserving. But I think we generally get the idea that there are a lot of people who have been given a programming assignment that they're not equipped to do. And rather than research it and try to figure out how to do it or behave like any kind of normal programmer in the world, they simply type some of the words that their boss sent to them in the email or that their professor told them in the homework assignment onto the computer and hope that somebody else on Stack Overflow will resolve Yes. Though, to be clear, I don't think our and actual problem are, are homework questions. Exceptionally annoying. We call them homework questions, but most yeah. of these, I think, are people who actually have a job programming. Yeah but perhaps shouldn't yeah. because they have no idea what they're doing and they're just uh, yeah. desperately trying to get someone to help them do their job. So they can feed their children. <laughs> but yes. there, there's something, there is something or missing parents. in, before we get too nuanced, right? What, what be <laughs> specific as to whether, the, which the, family members. This categorization has a very inside out perspective, right? So it's like if you ask the guy who runs the Tilt-A-Whirl at the amusement park who is 19 years old and says, what kind of people come to this amusement park? And he's like, well... There's basically the people that try and cheat and get on the ride, even though they're yeah. too tall. There's the ones whose kids pee in the car, and then I have to clean it out. There's yeah. the ones whose parents Why? don't care enough about their kids to watch them because they're chatting on their iPhone. Yep. And then I've got to shut down my ride and chase down the kids. And then there's the other ones that just seem too boring to care about. That's the kind of people who come to this park. Because he's dealing so with the frustrations of his job. And like, what's bothering me about this is none of these categories are what we hope, at least. And I think sometimes, as the core use cases. Some people come here because they actually need help. And not all of them have some terrible, nasty characteristic like being a help vampire. No. And in um, fact, I would that, say that's that not we a have category actually, in this list. We have a couple of problems. But number one is I feel bad when somebody comes on and does an enormous amount of work. Well, there's sort of a combination of things. Somebody has a genuine problem. They understand what work they need to do. They understand the research that they should be doing to ask a question on Stack Overflow. They have tried a bunch of things. They want to document it all. Maybe they have... And they are either too scared to ask on Stack Overflow because they're afraid of the mean moderators. I won't use a name of a, of a German political party to uh, describe them. Although others do. the World War II time period. <laughs> so they're afraid <laughs> to ask their question even though they were going to do a good job. Or they ask their question doing a good job and it just doesn't get answered. And then that, I feel bad because they put a lot of work into this question and I want it to get answered because they put the work into it and they did the right thing and somebody else could benefit from this answer. Yeah. So those are the two things that I'm kind of worrying about is what I'm really worried about is the people that sort of deserve to get their questions answered by somebody a little bit more. We're not really creating any kind of incentive for them to make sure that their questions get answered. And what is happening in the meantime is that there is an incentive, say, to edit your question three times just to get it kicked back up to the homepage or make a bunch of random changes. Yeah, but nobody's really or doing ask that. ask a lot of that, bad that's questions. That's not a problem that we have. The problem is this. The people who 
it's it's almost like what's the what's the principle when you're when you're so bad you're so incompetent that you don't even know how incompetent you are. Yes, the people just called life. We call it the Fullerton principle here at Stack Exchange. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Thanks. It's that the people who are just they're just not. You know, it doesn't not, help tell people they're incompetent. They're, they're, no, what I'm saying is that they're the ones asking lots of questions. The smart, well-meaning people who care yeah. about what the rules are feel this overwhelming pressure to understand every rule and get every single thing right before they post their question on Stack Overflow that they never do. Yeah. The people who are not right. aware that there are rules or don't care or whatever are they very quick to post their... They just splattering. keep spraying and if yeah. it gets closed, they just post it again. And so the next reason that this bothers me, the first reason it bothers me is that there's people out there that should be getting questions answered that aren't getting their questions answered because they don't even ask them in the first place or because they just don't get enough attention to get answered. That's part A. Or because they get accidentally tarred with a wide brush of bad question askers, even though they aren't a bad question answer in this particular case. They just happen to only have one reputation. So that's the first problem. Second problem is that, meanwhile, the people that can answer these questions are looking at the site and they're seeing what, for good or bad reasons, they perceive to be a bunch of rubbish or a bunch of low-quality questions. And so two things happen. One is they go into a mode where they become police, where it's like swat, 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 bad question, bad question, bad question. They get angry, and they're always looking for reasons to close questions. And even worse is that they lose interest in answering questions at all because they just can't find any good ones or anybody that's deserving of a lot of help. And so they move on, and they are no longer on the site answering questions. So those are my, my set of problems that I want to address. I think to your point, you hit like to frame it sort of from a, a people perspective, right? There's two, I've been actually asking almost every developer I meet for the first time, I ask them if they have an account and if they've posted yeah. and why they haven't posted or yeah. why they opened their account and what their, what their first experience was. And I'd say pretty consistently, 50% of them express something along the lines of fear. Yeah. That I just didn't think I was good at my question would be good enough. And I thought right. I get picked on and yeah. I didn't want to have like this embarrassing stamp on my thing. So I want and what's interesting is that it's all the wrong people that are feeling the fear. The people right. that we know of as good programmers right. are feeling fear, and the people that we know of as bad programmers couldn't care less. Right. So we, I think one real problem is legitimate, thoughtful people, the kind of people who don't do something because they don't want to do it wrong, are scared away from using our site to get help when they could get help almost instantly. That is one side of the problem. I think the other side is we could argue all day about whether the questions are getting worse, about whether the perception of a decline in quality is right, wrong, or just in people's brains. But either way, a fair statement is some of our best users are getting more frustrated than we want them to be and are expressing specifically that it's harder for them, increasingly hard for them to find the types of questions they want to answer. Right. And whatever we think caused that, whether their causes, their explanations are right or wrong, and I think some are probably right, we need to fix that. We need to make it easier for them because these are people who are right. excited to help certain types of people with certain types of questions. I should say answer certain types of questions. We don't want them only picking certain types of people. And they're having trouble doing it. And that sucks. We got to fix that. Yep. So, okay. So moving on, let me go move on to the second part of it. But now that we've established what we think the problem is, here's the second part of my uh, treatise. Okay. So last Tuesday, we got 338,000 page views on our homepage. What? I'm doing a great job in this growth thing. That's awesome. That's yeah. a big number. I'm really, I must be very talented. Go on, sir. Okay. <laughs> and uh, 41,000 uh, page views on slash questions, and then another maybe 8,000 page views on slash unanswered, and uh, left off all the, all the tag pages. Um, so that would probably be a bunch more, but really sloppy. There's about 400,000 page views a day showing you a list of questions. And I don't know that this is the case, but I do believe that an awful lot of the answers, the people that are looking to answer something are some point going to one of those page views. So one of the places where we have inventory, essentially, where we have eyeballs, where essentially our job to get a question answered, if we are the Stack Exchange question answering company, and we're trying to do the best job we possibly can of getting every question answered, we have to get some eyeballs on that question. And the way we start off getting eyeballs from those questions starts with the 400,000 odd page views that we have every day. Right now on the homepage, we're showing about 85 questions. I don't know what the rule is there. Is it like 30 minutes or something? How do we decide how many questions to show on the homepage? It's, it's complicated, but it's the last, the number of questions is always the same. It's okay. not, and it's not uh, just strictly activity anymore. Okay. Well, it's like around 80,000, 80, 000, 80 uh, questions on the homepage, 80 to 90. So let's say 400,000 page views, about 80 questions each. So we're looking at somewhere around 32,000, 32 million. We have 32 million slots where we can put a question. And somebody will see the title of the question at least. There are 32,000 slots a day. That's our inventory of eyeballs. So if you count only the one-eyed people. Okay. Um, well, that's, that's, a, that's a rounding error. So, you know, 64 million eyes, but that's, everybody has two eyes. So 32 million slots. Now, look, not everybody scrolls all the way down to the bottom. So something at the bottom gets less. 
Yeah, guess. where are you going with Top this? Gets work. Okay, where I'm going with this is we have now 32 million slots a day. How many questions do we get? We get 7,700 questions a day on Stack Overflow. We got 22,000 posts, which we kind of want somebody to look at answers and also like maybe vote them up, vote them down. Uh, a bunch of edits uh, that are causing all kinds of activities. All, all told, we have not even counting comments. We're getting somewhere around 27,000 events uh, that we want to put eyeballs on. That's my very sloppy guess. You can play with this as much as you want. But we're looking at approximately 32 million slots for about 27,000. So eh, I'm going to do a little bit of rounding there. Let's just call it 30 million slots for 30,000 things, i.e. Yeah, um, but that's not really a fair way to, I mean, okay. Nope. Meaning Finish, if we're totally naive, this, the but... average thing gets 1,000 eyeballs. A thing, an event that happens on our system, I, we can get about 1,000 people to look at it. We can have some things that 10,000 people look at. We can have some things that 100 people look at. Um, and right now, whether something gets looked at by 100 people or 10,000 people is almost accidental. I mean, we try to even it out for fairness, kind of, sort of. And then we try to, you know, direct it a little bit by having your favorite tags, and giving you possible ways you might go look for things. But I think we need to get a lot more organized around how many of the slots we spend on what kind of question. Well, I think we all agree that the long-term vision, which we'll kind of hand wave away and move away from, is, yeah. is clear there. That's some of the work we're doing around what we really want eventually is to be able to have a high ability to predict based on your activity in the past, whether browsing or answering, yeah. you crush answers in this, when there's these two tags, yeah. you are like dominant. And so we want to serve you more of that, right? Because that's what you're interested in. That's what you're good at. Possibly, yeah. And over time, we want to be able to do more of that. But I think in the short run, we're looking at uh, simpler ways Short-term. that rely on less machine learning over time. No, right. I put it this way. I'd put, there's, two, there's two different ways to think about this. There's the passive thing we do for everybody, which is like the person who doesn't care to customize what they look at, right? They're just going to the homepage and they get whatever we show them. We should be choosier about what we show them. However, we also need to do a better job of giving the people who know what they're trying to find ways to find yes. that. And one of the things we're hearing loud and clear from this is people are sick of seeing these low quality questions. At least a large vocal group is sick of seeing these low quality questions and wish they would just go away and they could focus on... Yeah, the, find the kind of thing they want to answer, right? They're sick of having to look through 80 questions in order to find one that's worth answering. So I think we right. have to provide both. I think, I think especially for power users, what they're looking for is not a magic algorithm that magically learns what they want. What they want is the, the tools to find exactly what they care about. Sure. Okay. And that may not solve the whole problem because only a small percentage of users will ever use those advanced tools, but we have to have those tools for them. That's what's going to make them happy. So here's my two very, very simple proposals that I came up with, which we could do in the short term, which may or may not work, but this is my two very, very simple proposals. Very, very simple proposal number one is to say, if your question gets upvoted by somebody with a certain amount of reputation, or maybe just upvoted, that upvote buys it a few more impressions. I don't know how many, but essentially it's going to decay a little bit more slowly from the homepage, from the questions page going to get a few more eyeballs. We're going to use some of the 32 million slots that we have. We're going to use a few more of those on your question if somebody has looked at it and upvoted. And what that instantly does is it tells all of the users that have reputation on the system that are logged in, that are active, that are browsing for things, et cetera, that if they see a question that they want to recognize for being well asked, you know, for showing you did your homework before you asked the question, you tried a bunch of things, you've carefully explain your problem. It looks like a good problem. It seems like the kind of problem you want somebody to answer. However, you at the moment do not actually have the answer, but you as a user on the system can upvote that question, which you always could do, to signal to the world that that's a worthy question uh, of being answered. And we will take that signal and say, you know what, I'm going to show it to twice as many people maybe, or I'm going to show it to 2,000 people instead of 1,000 people and increase the chance that it gets answered. That's number one thing that I'm proposing. Okay, you want to talk about that? Or do you want to tell us what number we'll two is? No, 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 let's number let's two, let's to get give both, and then I'm gonna let's let uh, Josh and Robert give their take on it. So then Joel can yell at them when they disagree yeah. with him, and then you and I can jump in later when it's safer. Yeah, that's probably probably safe. Number two is to say that users that are relatively trusted by the system should also get a bonus when they do ask a question. So somebody that has a certain amount of rep, um, and it doesn't have to be a lot; it could be a hundred rep or two hundred rep, but essentially a non-random user that just arrived. I'm not saying that a random user that just arrived doesn't get to ask a question. They continue to get to ask questions. However, if they show up and they're posting as user 7683041 thingamajiggy, whatever, and their question just sort of smells of low quality and they have no reputation on the system, then they just get the free thousand page views that everybody else gets. 
But if they show up and they have a reputation of 200 and they've answered a question in the past and they put some effort into it and a previous question that they asked was answered or was upvoted or a previous answer that they wrote was upvoted or something like that that adds up to maybe 100 or 1,000 rep, then they get a little bit of, again, they get the freebie boost, which is their question is now shown to twice as many people. So they have that extra chance of their question getting answered. And then we can tell people this and we essentially say, hey, if you want to get your questions answered on Stack Overflow, first of all, just make some effort and experienced users will see that you made that effort and they'll upvote your question and you'll have a higher chance of it getting answered because it will be shown to more people. And number two, make some effort by helping other people with their problems. Maybe even, you know, we could say that all you need is 100 points and then you could easily earn that not only on Stack Overflow, go off to the Stack Exchange Network and go answer a photography question um, if you can't find programming questions. Okay, wait. So and all that adds up to not a big deal, but your question is shown to twice as many people. It has exactly a double the chance of getting answered. There's a point we probably want to clarify here because when people hear this, what they're going to hear is that only high reputation users are going to they're going to get this preferred treatment, and you know they're the only ones who are going to be able to get their questions answered. But we're not talking about you know they're the lower reputation users' right to exist in the system. We're really just talking about that shelf space, that premium shelf space on the front page. Right. You know, the use case that Stack Exchange exists so people can find their questions through Google searches, there's still plenty of opportunities for a user to get their questions seen on our site. We're not burying right. sort of these unproven users so that they can never be seen. It really is just when a user comes and looks at that front page, regardless of how they chose how to have their questions listed, that you know, I got it, Robert. I got it. Go, call go this question neutrality. <laughs> ah, okay. Question neutrality. Oh, we don't have that. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, the idea that when a question gets asked, regardless uh -huh. of what the question is, is that it gets sort of dropped into this conveyor belt, this production system that sort of shuffles it through the front page until other questions puts it off. It's I think that's what we're trying. Elite. We're trying to end that in a sense. Yeah. You know, we're saying a question has so many impressions and if people act on that question, if it grabs their interest, whether they vote for it or they view it, maybe the user who asked the question has a history of asking good questions. That will generate more interest, more shelf space. I hate using that shelf space analogy, but it gives them more, a little bit more attention. Yeah. Well, you can even. Uh, what we got to emphasize, Robert, is this notion that everybody starts out in the same footing. You ask your question, it's going to be seen. Yes. Not necessarily by everybody, but it's going to be seen. And at that point, we have a feedback mechanism. And if your question is liked, it will get seen more. If your question is deemed of good quality or worth answering, it will get seen more. But everybody still gets, you know, that first shot at it. So if you're good, you get that shot. One of the things that I like is that there's a lot of times you see a question that you think, this is a great question. I really wish Stack Overflow could answer this, but it's on such an esoteric topic that you don't know the answer. And you just feel like, you know, if only a thousand people ever see this question, nobody's going to know the answer to this esoteric thing. But it's a great question. A lot of effort went into this. This person really deserves an answer. This is a person that is very helpful on Stack Overflow. I want to help them back. All kinds of reasons why you want them to get an answer. And you just, you just feel like, I need to do something. So you get more shelf space, essentially. And we've been doing that with, you know, you could spend some money and give it a, yeah. um, a you know, featured. featured. But this is almost like a much cheaper version of featured that's kind of built into the regular mechanics. I have one issue with the first proposal, the uh, the vote thing. I think we need to really emphasize that we are only going to give you a little bump. We're not going to do some dig-like system where if you get all of your friends to upvote your question, it's going to be pinned to the front page all week. Oh, no. no. Well, you know, I, when, I, when I heard Joel first talk about this, I was thinking, I start thinking in terms of algorithms. How are we going to sort the front page? And, you know, I start thinking about views and voting and all these things that sort of were taken care of by our hotness algorithms, which we already have. But one thing we have to remember is when you're looking at the front page, your question is getting an impression. You're looking at that question title and that little excerpt. If, if it's intriguing enough to get me to even look at the question, that is also something, you know, the difference between a view and an impression, th those kinds of things we could say, people are interested and willing to interact with this question. That, that's the kind of thing that can sort of make it a little bit more sticky and keep it in front of the eyes of people too. It doesn't just have to sort of duplicate all the efforts we've done in terms of number of views and number of votes and all that stuff. Just the idea that I'm willing to click into a question means that the title was well worded, that little excerpt on the question page was well worded. It, it was enough to be intriguing enough 
for me to go look at it. So we have a lot of data that we don't capture in our hot questions page right now. Yeah, but Rob, you've got to be really careful with that just from an algorithmic perspective because the more impressions we give it, the more views it's going to get. So it's really got to be like views modified by impressions, which we don't really track right now. When you put in all, you know, again, I'm thinking in terms of algorithms, one of the things that will make that question sort of fade into the the norms of, of Stack Exchange when it's off the front page is also time. So, you, you know, look, giving it more views and more impressions can delay. It will sort of hold it back and delay. Mm. It's running off the front page. But at some point, yeah. it's got to shuffle into Stack Exchange as other new questions arrive. And the reason I brought that up is one of the things that Josh mentioned earlier is that every question still has its moment on the front page. I think when someone asks a question, it will appear on the front page and get a certain number of impressions. And then if it sort of doesn't stick, if, if nothing, you know, it, it's, I don't know, it just doesn't interest anyone, then it, it will sort of scroll off at the normal speed, sort of like what we have now. By the way, I, I think we need to clarify here. We're not necessarily just talking about, you know, stackoverflow.com, the front page of the entire site. No, I think uh, of that as more as a metaphor of just saying the, we, the, we, we have a lot of front pages for different interests. Yeah, and, the tag yeah. pages, etc. They all have the same problem. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. PHP is getting something like 800 questions every day, which is too many for one person to read. So you still have that same sampling problem Joel was talking about. If you log in at the wrong time, you're going to see a page full of crap and walk away. Yeah, okay, but the trick here is identifying the crap. And so far we've got two we've got two ways of identifying crap that have been suggested which are votes and user reputation. Yeah. Well, we actually have a much better one that already exists. Robert mentioned titles. And I think we're we're wasting this right now because we have a, a set of little checks that get run on questions. They they're not, you know, super complicated. They're things Jeff and Waffles pulled off the tops of their heads at some point. But we have these checks for titles and they're really good. In fact, they're so good that we can't give them very much emphasis because they block like half the questions coming onto the site. If by good you mean they include a regex for words like help and therefore... No, I, I'm, I'm talking about things like if, if there is no capitalization, punctuation, and the title is only like 30 characters long, it'll block the question. Questions ending with for me to poop on are auto <laughs> right now. So we had to scale that back a little bit because I inadvertently ignored that and turned down the quality check threshold a while back, and we got massive amounts of screaming from people who wanted to ask questions with 30 character titles that didn't say anything. We may have trouble blocking questions based solely on a title, but it would be nice if we could de-emphasize them if their title was unlikely to catch anyone's attention. I, I, when I'm thinking of, just to put it in perspective, I'm not thinking of finding bad questions, and as usual, we focus on the negative and how to blame people and punish people. That's not what I want to do at all. What I want to do is I want to identify the 10% of the questions that are most worthy of getting answered, and I want to double the amount of homepage attention that they get. Right. So Bingo. that they double the chance that those 10% get answered. And that means that everybody else gets about 10% less homepage attention. So instead of getting about 1,000 impressions, you'll get about 900 if your question's not very good. So that's not even a terrible penalty. But as a result, you know, 50% of the stuff on the homepage will be good. One thing I like about that that's interesting is there's aspects of this, I'm not sure about implementation, that make the voting on questions slightly more consistent. When you vote on answers, one of the main things that does, other than tell someone they did a great job and they helped you, is it puts the answers in the right order. And one thing we're talking about here is essentially every time we get a signal of some sort yeah. that says this question is actually looks important to me and I hope someone answers it, yeah. we're actually using that si signal to slightly up the likelihood that those questions actually get viewed enough to get answered, right? It's, it's so Yeah, so I think it's important. To, I think this is... Uh, a thing we should do, I don't think it solves the problem because the voting activity is so low and comes so late. That's part of the problem. So this kind of catches late things that were in danger that's of sliding the off current, the homepage. Wait, that's the current voting activity. If part of your proposal is to somehow 10x the number of people who vote, I don't think it's realistic. Oh, no, we no, should we're do just going to tell people, listen, if you see a good question, you should upvote it because that is going to help that question get yeah, answered. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to have a measurable influence on voting activity. Do you think that people that are browsing by a question and they say, I can't answer this, but it looks good. What do you think they do now? Do you think they upvote it or do you think they just ignore it and move on? I think in the short term, most of the stuff on the front page doesn't have voting. So I, I don't yes. think that's going to create any meaningful amount of data. Yeah. I think of terms, if, if I looked at the front page right now, which is only a few minutes long, you know, you think of, was the question asked well enough to even bother looking at it? Right. I think, I think if you assume every question is bad, what do you do extra when it's not a bad question? So I think of, I'm going to go look at it. Uh, voting is like a mega... You know, if something gets a vote, that's like a mega, you know, mega bump. But remember that when we do change the mechanics, people will behave differently. No, okay, I, I, I disagree with that. How would they, heuristics. 
Most people won't even know that we changed the mechanics. We'll, we'll read a blog them. post and one in 10,000 people will read it. Eh, true. The, the voting, I, I think, will get... Unless dumb, you we'll change the impact. way it looks, people, you're going to see the same amount of voting you do right now. So I think this is good. This is good for catching questions that are kind of falling off the homepage but should be popped back up. But yep. it comes so late. And one of the things we've learned, and this is really important, is that the homepage, we say, ah, oh, it's only the last few minutes. We should make it go back further and pull questions from back further. But that radically decreases answer rate is what we've seen. So anything, we tried doing right. this. We tried making the, the homepage algorithm smarter. And anything we changed that meant you saw older questions, even an hour old, radically decreased in our A-B test the probability that you answered it. But why? Because they were already answered. There's no, we were filtering for that because either people only want to answer stuff that has been asked recently. Yeah. Or they're still fresh. Because they're still fresh and the key, and you're going to get it. No, but I'm talking about extending its lifetime to 10 minutes instead of five minutes. Well, it already does that. What? What's it and what already does it? We already have that much worth of activity on the homepage. And but he the means second, 20 minutes. The second thing that happens minutes. is that a question that lasts longer than N minutes without being answered yet. Yeah. There's a reason for that, right? A bunch of people have looked at it and haven't answered it, either because it is unanswerable or it's an interesting, hard question. And that's really it, hard it, to but separate. It, but it also yeah. flew off the front page. So if it's not answered within that sort of yeah. but the flu, moment of opportunity. But lots of people saw it during that time, to Joel's but, point. But 32 we, million slots. No, a thousand. thousand people saw it. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Okay, but what if 2,000 people saw it? It would get twice as many answers. No, way, way less than that, because if it was something that was easily answerable, one of the first hundred people would have answered it. You're going down nah, an exponential curve. No, but yes, I am, but yeah, you are going do it down a curve. In terms of advertising, since you work on the advertising platform, a thousand page views is I about $10 I work on this stuff too, system. to be clear. He's right. So you're right. It won't double the number of answers, but it will double the likelihood that any one of those questions gets answered. It has to. Twice as took, many in the front. If I took seven random questions and just gave them twice as much time on the homepage, all else being equal, the percentage of the questions that got twice as much time on the homepage that got answered would be double the percentage of questions that got answered that didn't have twice the time in the... If we think of that front page like a running... If every question it's was like, like a, a running it's advertising... Like yeah. A, yeah, the question... If our front page was like a running advertising system, yeah. if we're going to limit the number of impressions each question gets, couldn't we at the same time also optimize who's, who's looking at those questions? Right. So you'd say, you know, if we're not just going to show it to every user on the system, they only got, let's just say, a thousand impressions. We're going to assume that so many people in the same tags are going to look at it first. If we run out of those, then you, you sort of work down this list of, you know, there's there's nobody left to look at this question. We've got to show it to to sort of lower lower success rate inventory. One way of thinking about it is if, if you ask a question on Stack Overflow and it gets viewed by a thousand people who see it, not the question itself, not the question page, but just the, the title of the question somewhere. That's like an advertisement that you paid about $9, $10. Those are our CPMs. So that would cost you about $10. Now, you can I charge am not people $10. That's, charging people $10. No, they can ask for free. Yeah. But for another $10, they get twice the time on the homepage. Now, so that's sort of one way of thinking about kind of the value of what's on there. And, and if you start to think about it like that, you start to say, wait a minute, why am I giving this away to people asking bad questions and people asking good questions? I should be doing something, some kind of sorting something somewhere to attempt to show the high quality questions, whatever that means, a little bit better, a little bit more of the time, and the low quality questions a little bit less so, of the time. I agree with that, but I don't think you can rely on a user taking an action in order for you to determine Correct. who you should so show the, it to or when. Thing we go to you have to be able to... Just, just ex user experience. So experienced users. There's that, or we have to be yeah. able to score it ourselves. We, ha we can do some scoring ourselves, but that, that's the, you end up doing a regular expression or something. But that's not the yeah, but We do need that because we need something to fall back on when the majority of questions don't get voted yeah, on. I, I don't the vast majority of questions get answered before they ever get a single upvote. Yeah. And, that, and cool. that's... Nothing need, wrong with that. Which is weird. I don't know why people answer and don't Well, it, it's nothing wrong with it, but if we're going to use it as signal... We right. We're not going to have signal. signal. Yeah. We need to be able to find the answerer for a question before we have any signal about the question. That's uh, even better. But that's harder. Yes. Right, that's but we always have signal. We have the question itself. We have the question itself. We just need to know yes. how to interpret it. Exactly. Which is why I think we need to work on our, the thing that Josh was talking about, the quality scoring. We have a lot of signals there that were made up before, but we could do a much more scientific approach to figuring out what those signals are and whether they actually mean anything. 
So you're talking about parsing basically the content of the question in some machine language type of way? Yeah, machine just do a, I mean, just do a simple, uh, uh, we're, we're already starting to do this. It's just do, do a simple analysis of what question, you know, it's, it's like Bayesian. What words, what tokens correlate to low quality questions? What tokens correlate to high quality questions? What does questions? low quality mean? What do you mean? No, I mean, literally, if we're going to test it what with machine feedback? learning... What I mean is, is a low quality question one that never gets an answer? One that downvoted, gets closed, votes? or deleted? We've okay. got a, okay. we've got a huge population of those that we can learn from. That's it won't true. catch everything, matters. but it'll get us started. And then you have yep. the reverse. Okay. You have high quality ones, which are just upvoted, answered, and upvoted multiple answers, etc. Yeah. This is really just a way. This is the yep. initial input to what Joel was talking about. Is like an ad inventory. You you say, listen, you've got a question. We've done an analysis. Your budget is now one hundred and ten dollars. So you give them that amount of views, right? And and based on how the users interact and the original author edits the post or or whatever other input we can get, we'll increase that budget. The hope of this is that when you go and look at say the homepage, what you're going to be seeing is instead of seeing Let's say that 20% of the questions that we get are awful and, and 50% of them are ugh, and 30% of them are good. You won't be seeing, you know, 20, 50, 30. Yes. You'll be seeing, you know, 5% bad. Yes, 7 exactly. Because right? then, then if we've got this, amazing. if we've got a metric we sort of believe here, and it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be better than nothing, then we yeah. have a knob we can control, right? Instead of it just right. being whatever the incoming quality of the questions is and the, that ratio that you right. just described, we can turn it up to be. 50-50 good questions, bad questions, or whatever right. we want the ratio to be. Right. Or even better, we can set a default and put that knob into the hands of our users and let them control what they want to see. Well, that was the, you know, go ahead and upvote and that's what you'll see. No, because <laughs> that takes too long. Nobody wants to train an algorithm to learn what they like. They want to just set it. They just want to tell it, show me more Python questions and show me more high quality stuff. Oh, you mean stuff. for themselves? Yes. I think we also need to recognize that we have two different problems to solve a little bit. So I think as we start to build toward some of these ideas that say the whole front page will be driven by this input, we get scared, right? We start to worry about is you get it slightly wrong and all of a sudden some potentially good questions are getting filtered out, not enough people see them. And I almost think that we can work toward that big picture goal. And on the side, I think the question is, are there other tools we can give that are maybe a little bit blunter, but will allow our highest rep users who are kind of our top answerers yes. to better find what they are looking for. So they, they may want a different tab where, you know, that doesn't take a lot of design by them, that allows them to do a lot more to see certain types of questions than we allow them to today. To be clear, what we're going to see, almost certainly, it's, it's really hard to get this stuff right from what we've been doing in the last year. Anything we do to skew that ratio, to show high quality questions more often and low quality questions less often, on the top line metric of percent of questions that get answered, that'll go down. Fewer questions will get answered because we are skewing that ratio. It's really hard to get this right. No, that's definitely in a way that's, that's better. I don't think that's true. No, it, I don't think that's true. It'll even be true in the successful case. Joel, no, because the no, yeah, no, because what I'm trying to do. Remember, what I started out being concerned about is the questions, and you're both fired, by the way. Is <laughs> every every week, every week. Why should this week be different? No, because the sorry, the questions that I'm concerned about are the questions that will get answered if they get enough eyeballs, because those are the hard questions. Okay, fine. Yes, I agree. The questions we rate as high quality will get way better results. Yes, more answers. That's what, that's what I want. I the want to fill overall, up with a bunch of, yeah. average experience will be that your question gets fewer answers. And eventually we just delete it because it doesn't get any answers, No, but the, 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 the reason also. that you could both be right, right? That could be true, David, what you said, and it could still serve Joel's need, is in theory what you could find is we're potentially taking questions that are likely to be sort of low-quality dupes that someone would have hopped answers onto before they got yeah. properly dealt with, and we're shifting that answering activity to other questions. That are harder. Which probably we're going to get other answers anyway, potentially. So, and so the, the total percent could go down, but we're shifting it to, in theory, much more beneficial questions to the populace at large. Well, that's what we have to figure out. I think answer rate is the wrong metric. I think you guys are getting sidetracked there. Listen, yeah. the number of answers posted by our high-rep users, by people above 20K, has been very nearly constant for years. That's that's in terms of raw numbers, the the raw number of answers posted. So that's by basically, that's the 20K. amount of work that we have available to answer hard right. questions. <laughs> so people, people hit that point uh, in their Stack Overflow career and they get fed up with it. They yep. slow down because I'm okay you know, with that, they've answered all the easy questions. Yeah. So if we could actually increase that even just a little bit by giving folks you know, who are bored with the same questions something new and interesting, yeah, that or, would be that would be cool. So or that, just tell those people at least that you're not going to keep seeing the same thing for five years. So that's that's a nice story, and I want to believe that. But when we did this before, when we showed you more questions in the tags that we knew you cared about, yeah, what we saw was an overall a decrease in the amount of answering activity. 
But why do we think that is? That, that that's very unintuitive. Because you're why seeing would I not be bored the same tags that I've been working in for five years. Yeah, maybe you're bored with those. But isn't that a, think what we're saying? What? We're making up a story because <laughs> if it you just answered us. if you just answered a hundred questions in Java, yeah. we should show you more Java questions. Right. So oh, David, maybe. how do we explain that you? But that's not anything like what I'm proposing. I'm that is saying, nothing like what I'm proposing. Our top users are already doing this. If you look at the the top forty answers on the site right now, thirty seven of them already have their tag preferences set. They're already seeing just the things in the tags they like. Making a system to do that for them isn't going to change anything. Yeah, but. So I agree with improving the experience of those top users, but I still think the answer for them is not magic algorithm X. It's giving them the tools to control exactly what they want to see. That's Agreed. the solution for the top users, and we don't have that right now. We don't if, have if any tool that slider. says... The masses, which are actually responsible for a lot of the answers, yeah. they're the ones who are just going to the homepage and they're getting whatever we show them. And that's a, that's a tricky thing to tune. It's not going to be as simple. And that's why I'm a little scared of just adding a rule like questions that get an upvote suddenly get shown 10 times as many times because we may actually hurt the homepage. Well, we can try this stuff. We can very, we very already, gently. We don't, no, have we don't to. get enough signal yeah, there. But I think we need two paths. I think we need to start experimenting with things that don't change the homepage for these people, but take our most prolific answerers who are telling us they can't find the questions they want to answer and giving them either a, a pre-filtered or more tools to filter where they can go to a place and more easily find what they are looking for while we do the slower, harder things that might kind of rejigger what everybody I still think it's a very page. easy thing, which is to say we have been yelling at people that what they need to do is this, that, and the other thing in order to get their questions answered. And if they do those things, I just want to give them twice the real estate so that they get twice the shelf space. But what are those things? We're not disagreeing with you. Just but that the only tools to you have, right. so I agree Having with the reputation, quality. logging on, not using a user account that starts with the word user and then a bunch of numbers, putting a capital letter as the first letter of your Yeah, but you're, yeah, yeah, you're getting the into quality that, score. like, you picked the wrong name, so we're not going to answer your yeah. question. No, five. you didn't like, pick a name. You were too lazy to pick a name. And you haven't bothered to make an account. But this goes back to, Joel, what the problem with In that... In other words, it just shows that you're not working. No, uh, no, 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 no. The problem with that is yeah. when people come here, right, what we basically say is, you should realize how awesome we are and invest yep. in us and yep. then let us show you that we work. Yep. And it's not how people think. What people think is, I'll try asking my question here and see if it yep. works. Yep. And then if it works, they're going to... And that's not to say they shouldn't ask a thoughtful question. Where you get into stuff like, you didn't bother to write up your life history and your profile before you yep. asked. Well, of yep. course I didn't. I want to see yep. if your product works. I'm yep. busy. I don't care. You're, you're the growth. You're you... the manager of growth. That's why you care about that. But this is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm not, I don't need, I don't need to encourage more questions on Stack Overflow. We got 7,700 a day. I want there to be 3,000 amazing questions by people that worked hard at them and I want them to get answered. And the other 4,700 can go f themselves. Because <laughs> they put no effort into it. But imagine if you told Jared there was any place in the world he should go. And the thing he got to understand is yeah. he really needs to write up a full bio yep, yep, and give his yep, history yep, yep. before he sees how it works. He's going to laugh bio. at you. He's going to laugh at you. I know. I know. Because I don't care. Because <laughs> this is Harvard. This is Yale. I don't have to sit uh, there saying, no, no. hey, it's Yale. Try it free no. for one semester. No. What happened to the notion that, look, we don't want nonsense here and we don't want You're noise. You're confusing we don't want big, city, big city versus little towns. We got 118... Stack Exchange sites where every new person that arrives can be given a gift basket. And no matter what they do, somebody will say, welcome to our site. And you might want to change your name to something other than user 76843829. It, it doesn't go that way on every site, but it could. It'd be nice. But this is Stack Overflow. This is the Harvard. This is Yale. This is we have what they need. We now are just the being desired elitist. commodity. You know, we don't have to start from this level of, you know, screw the new user. Yeah. You know, they didn't fill out their profile. You give them some benefit of the doubt. A first time a question might get a little bit more weight because then you're giving them a good experience. They come back. It's when it's the third, fourth, fifth, sixth question, and there's still no effort that you could start, you know, yeah. lowering them down to a lower level. Um, oh, to this, just, this reminds me of a feature that David uh, forgot to mention. We uh, we tell people when their questions suck now before they ask a new one. Could be improved. He means when they could be improved. Yeah. When 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 they aren't awesome enough. Yes. Slightly slightly not awesome enough. Yes. But no, this is this is what Robert's talking about, right, Robert? Right, because well, the users who are looking for good content, what they're objecting to is they're saying, you know, these users are coming in over and over and over, and they're asking worse and worse questions, and I can't find anything. We could build that into the algorithm, saying, listen, you know, you've got some level of impressions. I keep calling it like ad inventory, and you know, it'd be nice if you fill out your full profile and you invest in the site. But if you don't, you know, we assume you're at some level. If your performance on the site deteriorates you know, that's where we could start saying, you know, your stuff just isn't going to get seen as much because, you know, you haven't put in that effort. We don't have to start them from zero. You start them from from like a middle level in terms of their investment in the site 
parameter. I think we got to be careful too, Joel. It's, a part of it is we get used to defending why the model has to close stuff, has to say that's not allowed. And we get into this, but I think mm. when we start tossing around like, this is supposed to be Harvard, like that's why, like if you pull at Fog yeah. Creek, right? People that yeah. work for you, these are good programmers. I think it'll be easy to find a quarter of them. You say, how do you feel about asking questions on Stack Overflow? Easily a quarter of those guys are going to go, I don't want to deal with the bullshit of getting judged. And maybe they're wrong, but we don't want to keep giving this message that if you haven't done enough massive research to get into Harvard. Quite the opposite. I'm just saying, do a little bit of work. Nobody would turn you down if you said you got to make an account right, but my to point ask is, a question on my, Stack Overflow. That's why I think of Harvard, you can't grind your way into Harvard. You can't do a little bit of homework. Like What we really want is basically, if you come in in a way that's likely to make the community feel like you couldn't be bothered to even write up the specific right. needs you have. Yeah. We're going to tell you we can't help you. Yeah. And I think that's fine. We yeah. kind of haven't earned it. Exactly. But I think that's we, all I'm talking about. Okay. I think the Harvard's a bad metaphor for that, I think. Because it feels very un- unattainable. Yeah, I wouldn't okay. bring up Harvard. All right, the local cooking class. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Stack Overflow now. We're we're aiming it's high. It's an here. IT course in Java at the airport Marriott. <laughs> So, hey, I really want to go back to David's thing because I think it's really interesting and we kind of glossed over it. No one's um, ever said that about one of David's things before. (laughs) No, but thanks. so all David's saying is before anybody on the site has seen a question, we have the ability to guess, make an educated guess at whether this question is any good at all. Yeah. And and maybe, maybe, maybe make a guess at how good it is. We're yeah. going to be right all the time, but uh, we'll be right some of the time and enough of the time that we'll do better than what we're doing right now. Look at this anatomy of a great Stack Overflow question uh, blog post that somebody named that? Iris Schur wrote back in February. She took we'll uh, 10,000 questions from Stack Overflow and just ran some statistics on them, figuring out what kind of titles, what kind of code snippets, what kind of length of the whole question were best received by the folks on Stack Overflow. And, you know, this isn't rocket science. This is just taking the data that we already have and looking for signals in it. What's most likely? Doesn't mean if you go outside of these parameters, your question's terrible, but it does mean that if your question falls within them, it's probably going to do better than the ones that don't. And we're not using that right now. We could take that and start feeding that. Jay, let me give you a quick story about a slightly different context, which is discussion forums. And yep. two that I participate in are um, Fred Wilson's blog, avc.com. Sure. And .net, .com, I don't know. .com. Yeah. Wow. And Hacker News. Now, on Fred's blog, he posts every morning. Yep. And I get into work, what, 11.30, 1.30, whenever, whenever I get into work. If there's like a big meeting or something. And then I read his, his post. And sometimes I have something to say. And I look, and there's already, you know, 400 comments on it. Yep. And my thing will not be seen by anybody because it will be 401st. It will simply not be seen, no matter how important and awesome I am. So I don't bother. I never chime in because I'm just not there at 6.30 a.m. when he's posting his thing. Yep. It's just not worth it. It's not worth my time. If I go into Hacker News and something has been on the homepage of Hacker News for three hours, it's already got 700 comments. When I post a comment on Hacker News, because I already have reputation on Hacker News yep. and I've gotten upvotes on my comments before, they temporarily put my post at the top when I post it. Is that true? Yep. Yeah. Oh, that means I have great power on Hacker News because you let me post yeah. one of your things. One. Maybe. And so people get a chance at least to read what I said. And if they like it, they upvote it. And if it gets the upvote, it'll survive a little bit longer and it'll yep. actually show up on there. Um, so this is a slightly different mechanic. But the bottom line is I'm never going to contribute to Fred's blog comments. The people that he has contributing are people that happen to be awake during those hours. So he has a few people in England <laughs> and a few people that like to wake up really early in New York time and nobody in California posting. And he has a group of people that are just Kind of like the people on Slashdot that were like, first post, first post, first post, that just always have to get something in there, even if they're not the most useful thing. So essentially, all I'm saying here is that they're paying attention to inventory and they're saying, there are some signals here. This thing deserves a little bit. Everybody needs to listen to Joel Spolsky, wherever he posts. To be clear, I don't think anyone is saying that on purpose. Yeah. So, so it's a tough problem. So here's the problem. User reputation... Even in this blog post that Shog linked, number one influencer is ask a reputation. Yeah. If a high rep user asks the question, yep. it is very likely to get a great answer and a lot of attention. That's because this, per- this is a person that knows the system. They so, know, but they should get more inventory. It is certainly a signal. I think we have to be careful, though, that we don't create the impression or even the reality that this is a system where it's just for Stack Overflow users to ask each other questions. And if you're not part of the club, you can't post here. Join yeah. the club. No, that's not. You can that. post. There's, there's always a way to get in. You can always get yeah, in, but we want it. When you ask a question, it's always going to get shown, and if it's good, people are going to answer it. But people I are going to welcome you. So here's you the with... thing. So I think it is a signal we're going to have to pay attention to it. But I think the more we can 
focus on the post itself and quality signals in the post itself, then our story is a much better story. It is simply write a good post and it will get seen more. Write a bad post and it will yeah. not get seen as much. Okay. And it is not about you and whether you've put in it's the time kind of and effort you. to join it the community. It is a little bit about you. It's no, whether you've it written. Be. It, it is. is because there are people here that are just always... You're being way too considerate of some of the people that come onto Stack Overflow and ask 900 questions. No, I disagree. I'm being considerate to of the people. To be clear, the people who have asked 900 questions have over 100 rep. They have thousands of rep because they get one yep. pity upvote yep. every no. question. You, you don't remember all those people that have every single thing into minus one? Or they one? have thousands of accounts. Look, we already do this. We need both sides of this. There's forms of abuse at the extreme edge of both of these that we need to take into account. Yeah. Yep. That's right. I think that it's easy to focus on the external threat, which is the guy who just keeps posting the same crappy question because he hopes to get lucky. And to miss that the vast majority of people's first posts who haven't proven much of anything to us yet are people who are doing their best to come in and as responsibly as they can with as much work as they can think of that is obvious, get help. And we don't want to create a world where they believe they can't get help. We don't want to make this old BBS thing where you believe you have to upload your own stolen version of a game before you can download someone else's stolen version of a game. Also, that's illegal. We wouldn't want to run such an enterprise. But there's a continuum, right? I think... Let's, David, pull up question two, three, six, four, one, five, six, two. We have too many questions. We got to shorten these numbers. This is perfect. There are plenty of quality signals I can find here. He's yes. not capitalizing I. Yep. He's not. It's, yep. it's too short. It's also user three, six, three, two, four, two, four, nine with one reputation question asked one minute ago. That doesn't really matter. There are other signals here, but the real signal is that this is a brand new user that just showed up and they're wasting everybody's time. They have no right to be asking this question here. They need to go away. I, I don't want to coddle them. I don't want to welcome them. I don't want them on the site ever. But what we're trying to separate is, so I agree that that's signal, but that's a correlation, not a causation. It is. Right? No. There's nothing about the, the fact that this is a user. The same reason that he didn't bother setting up a real account is the same reason he didn't bother capitalizing I, because all he has time to do is copy his homework assignment. It's correlation, onto though. The, there can be a perfectly good question from a user who didn't bother to set their name yet yes. because we don't ask you to do that in the process of signing up for Stack well, let's Overflow. Look. Let's find somebody with a user and all the numbers. No, you're not. This is like, <laughs> I agree <laughs> that most of them are this way. But the problem is you start setting up these rules based on Have real signals. debugger. Yep. What you've done is you've made it so anybody new coming in starts at an unequal footing. When if yeah. you can use signals in the post, then you're actually getting at what the problem is. is in, if you can actually identify this is a bad question, then we're showing it less for the I'm right reason, of using not because you signals. just happen to be a new user. If we used our title quality score, this post would have been blocked. This yeah. title score is 61. It needed 65. We ignore that. Yeah, but these are bad I like that we have the same passing I mean, no, rate as the saying, Regents exam. We actually have a system. That but Josh, the reason we don't do that is because we would be rejecting every question. I just want to know whether this user is a, a special flower that needs to be coddled and brought into the system or if we are just, just a waste of time and they need to be just sent home. So I'd like to point out mo most of the people in the top that might have started yeah. as a user number, yeah. they start that way. They, they learn the system is useful and then they create a profile. Yeah. Right. So I think that even a lot of people that have names now may have started as user. Ah, but hang on, I'll draw okay. your attention. It needs to be that still needs some proof. I draw your and attention. They certainly weren't asking homework questions. I draw your attention to user number 113716. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because he has 135,000 reputation right next to his generic username and his weird boring gravatar picture yeah but with all his reputation we're gonna let him ask questions and has that person even asked any questions but I, what you want to tell him at the door is hey buddy you yep. missed the secret code and didn't give no, a username no, no so you got a thousand impressions for your question instead of two thousand oh no again i think that's fine so when that you guy used to have a username for like <laughs> most of his entire length of time on the site he had a proper username he took it away that's a particular yeah, that's, just a weird, that's just a weird example. So hey, while we're on usernames, what, what does Shog9 mean? I've known you for many years. and Shog9. No it's like subscript, superscript. <laughs> superscript 9. I couldn't get my real name on Yahoo. <laughs> Seriously. You, you probably, Everybody else you might be able to now. names with numbers after them, so what the hell? It might be available again. But Joel, to be honest, we're getting into like a weird <sighs> push-pull one. In fact, what you're really talking about is we should be using the yeah. positive signal to amplify things. Sure. Um, I think I provoked you enough to get you to say we should be chasing everyone else away, but that's not really no. quite what we were saying. No, no, no. The most important thing that I'm saying is that if you go and tell people, oh, this group of people have no right to ask questions and this group of people do have a right to ask questions, or this group of questions have no right to be asked and this other group of questions have a right to be asked, then you're going to create a lot of controversy and people are going to be angry. And they're right. always going to think of the wonderful, delightful person that they know who the reason that they're not capitalizing I is because they don't have any hands and they have a, their pen in their mouth and they're typing on the keyboard with a pen in their mouth I wish you all in order to type this. a sentence. And, and so we should be sympathetic to them for not typing capital I instead of 
just merely feel like they're just lazy bums that can't be bothered to do it. And they're probably typing from a T9 on a phone anyway. <laughs> you know, Either if, way. I just think you've got to be really careful. the wrong careful. way to present it. The correct way to present it is to say that there is a limited number, maybe 10% of questions on the site that we can identify as being good questions that are running a risk of not getting answered because they're being washed out by average, merely average yeah, questions. And we want to find the 10% of questions that are the best. We want to double the amount of eyeballs that they get so that they all have double the chance of getting answered. I mean, in terms of positioning this, can't we kind of position this the same way we look at bounties? I mean, we had this fear when we started bounties saying people who don't put mm -hmm. bounties are never going to get their questions answered. The system is still really good at getting your question answered. It's going to be awesome that way. Even if you fly off the front page, you know, we still have all that Google juice. Mm -hmm. No, not for getting answers. Well, what we can look at this is from the other way is saying, you know, if this algorithm or this idea of impressions is a little bit more transparent, we can help users discover saying, hey, if I want my question to be seen more, here are the things I need to do. And it is things like, hey, if you want more impressions, and we don't say it this way, but, you know, if you want more impressions, go go fill out your profile, put a picture on there, get your email address verified, all these things that we could say, you know, if you want to get a little bit more involved, you're going to get your stuff seen a little more. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's all good. I think we're getting into the weeds with specific metrics here. The point is we have lots of metrics we can measure and we can determine which ones are actually cool. at least somewhat influential on question quality and then start calculating a score from yeah, that. It's, it's, it's telling the new users, hey, you're getting the, the same great experience everyone else is. If you want to improve that, yeah. here's how we can bump up that's your... Right. Here's a laundry list of good things to do. Do some of them, your score will increase. Do all of them, it will increase more. You can join the Platinum Elite yeah, you still got to be careful with that, right? Good questions get seen more. Everyone, I mean, that's, everyone's that's, used to that pitch, right? Which is like the, no, you're getting the same great plane seat yeah. as everyone else. It's all just well, if well, you were in the Platinum Elite, you would actually still get peanuts. But we're not pitching people yeah. to post on the site either. We have plenty of traffic. You get the first chance at a window seat. <laughs> you may not get a window seat. You just get the first chance at a window seat. Okay, I'm going to roll this up, sign this off, whatever it is that we do here at the end. What is it that we do at the end? Do it. Blow it up. Well, you've gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Exchange Podcast 59, recorded Tuesday, May 13th, 2014 at Stack Exchange headquarters in New York. This podcast has been brought to you by Nutella, not part of a nutritious breakfast. <laughs> Nutella includes delicious sugar and oil and can be spread on toast, matzah, or eaten with a spoon. And on behalf of His Royal Highness, Lord Chogginton of Hire, Chog the Ninth, Josh Hire, Robert Carteno, Jay Hanlon, David Fulton, audio editor David Greenlee, ghost producer Abby Miller, who is not here. She actually literally is in a different city altogether and causing the little sliders to move up and down Magic of the on the audio board as if a ghost. Poltergeist. And ex-producer Alex tied up in a warehouse in London, UK. I'm Joel Spolsky. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hello. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. That was an excellent podcast. Get nerdy with me. I didn't start reading Hacker News at any point during this podcast. That was fun. That was exhausting. I don't listen to these live very often, but how many F-bombs per podcast generally? Usually not that many. I feel like there was more than usual. There's today. usually there's usually there's usually two potentially viewed as racist jokes we have to cut we out. We used to worry about losing our everyone rating on the podcast. Story. So if we want to increase our viewership, we need the Stack Exchange podcast. What do they call it? Uh, un un not unplugged. What's the word I'm looking for? After dark. No, no. <laughs> that's a different thing. What do they call uncensored. that? Un uncensored. 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 And we, you got to stamp it somehow. There's unexpurgated. Unrated. Unexpurgated. Isn't that Benny Hill? Yeah, Benny Hill taught me Benny that one. I wasn't allowed to watch that show. It was too sexy. Yeah, if you had cable, you could like watch Benny Hill unexpurgated, which was like the nudie version. I can't believe I just used the word nudie.